0: This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at SaintDave.org. A while ago, I went to the container store. You know, sometimes you just need a little something. And surprisingly enough, it being before Halloween, there were displays of stocking stuffers and holiday offerings, you know, Santa Claus bags and such. I thought while I was there, I would pick up a few things to be ready to honor hosts and hostesses over the next couple of months, there being lots of hospitality offerings, right? That's the season. What I saw on the tables in the aisles invited deep perusal. It was not immediately clear what these things were. (laughs) Among these attractively packaged and displayed items, surely there would be just the thing to show appreciation. One box. Labeled instant golf cleaner (laughs) for cleats shoes and balls Right next to it a box a thing called a bamboo Sudoku game surely somebody needs that (laughs) and Around the table a tin of therapy putty Just the thing to work out your stress during A tense Zoom meeting. But best of all, because there is something even better, (laughs) best of all, a pink silicone pig-shaped bacon grease receptacle. Who would appreciate this stuff? Years ago, when I was a college student dependent upon classmates' parents' hospitality for holiday and spring break visits, my mom instructed me to always take an appropriate hostess gift. What would that be, I asked. She suggested a scented candle, flowers, or perhaps a bottle of wine, or if money and transportation were unavailable which, to be honest, they usually were, homemade cookies. Showing up with the right hostess gift means, I came to understand, that I was worthy of the hospitality. I know what you're giving me, and here my gift is a sign that I know. I followed her advice, and it worked for years, until it didn't. I took pecan chocolate chip cookies to a family with severe nut allergies and a bottle of wine to a person working his recovery. They were gracious, of course, and I was embarrassed and horrified. In my desire to honor the recipients with a welcome token, I had instead delivered items that revealed I didn't see the recipient, who they were, what appealed to their values and preferences. You see, gift-giving brings mutual joy when the giver has seen the receiver sufficiently clearly that the offering fits. Making offerings to the gods stretches back to the ancients, and it's that same The same internal impulse, isn't it? Wanting to bring the right thing, to communicate the right message. Human beings have brought ritual sacrifices of animals or even people. Devotional offerings like candles or incense. And kept seasonal observances as appeals or responses to the divine men and women of various religions and cultures have performed acts of self-discipline, pilgrimages, prayer vigils, all in hopes of pleasing or appeasing the powers beyond seeing. The children of Abraham, liberated from Pharaoh's yoke and sustained through the desert by Yahweh, the one God, had their own system of sacrifices and offerings. Revealed to Moses on Sinai, they carried the instructions with them into the promised land. Like asking my mother for advice, hoping to get it right, the ancient Israelites consulted the Mosaic books, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And what did they find there? What sacrifices did the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob require? Animal sacrifices. Oil and wheat and songs of praise. Done in good order at the right time with unblemished offerings led by the Aaronic priests. Especially in times when things went bad, They consulted their sacred texts and hoped their observances would convince God to hear their cries. The reading today from the beginning of Isaiah recounts the Lord's response to the Israelites' efforts well into their life as a people, at a time of war and a threat of exile. And you might say, as my hostess gifts They worked until they didn't work, right? Told as a court scene, God serving as prosecutor and judge harshly rejects the offerings of the body of believers. The very gifts prescribed in the books of Exodus and Leviticus fail to capture the Lord's hearing. Though they were proficient at the observances, The people, it turns out, had forgotten the character of the God for whom the sacrifices were meant to be an honor. They had stopped seeing the God who led them out of Egypt. This was the God who heard their cries when they were oppressed and making bricks. The God of compassion and grace, the God of mercy and love, the God faithful to promises made generations long, long ago. The offerings, all those offerings called for in those books, they were meant to be a sign that the people's hearts were attuned to God's heart. But their lives said otherwise. They had stopped seeing this God They had forgotten the gift most desired, lives modeled on the life of that God. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams. I do not delight in the blood of bulls. Bringing offerings is futile, incense is an abomination to me. Your new moons and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Remember, we read in the book of Exodus, remember that you were once strangers and aliens in the land of Egypt. Remember that you are strangers and aliens so that you will see the strangers and aliens on whom God has compassion. Remember and hear the cries of those who cry out to you. And then it will be clear that your hearts and God's heart beats as one. And so the Lord expresses frustration and anger when the people carry before the Lord sacrifices, blood, festivals, but ignore the widow and oppress the poor. They have misread the very one they're trying to honor. Archbishop Desmond Tutu once wrote, what is interesting is how many times the prophets say that if your religion does not affect the way you live your life, it is a religion God rejects. Isaiah says a fast in which you deny yourself food, but that does not relate to how you treat your neighbors, is rejected by God. Tutu goes on, what God wants is that we refrain from cruelty and oppression. What he wants is that you loose the feathers of injustice and set free those who have been crushed, that you share your food with the hungry, take the homeless poor into your house, and clothe the naked. And so when the people offered him sacrifice and a cacophony of music and prayers, he rejects these. Do you offer countless prayers? God says, I will not listen. There is blood on your hands. If Israel struggled to match its practice to the deeper call of its faith, offering sacrifices when God called for lives of mercy and justice, what do we say of ourselves in this century? Do we not, too, in this 21st century, struggle? In America today, perhaps around the world in the various religions, the answer to the question of what God requires is highly disputed. Is purity most important? Or is it ritual? Where does the moral or ethical fit in? Each group seems to believe it has a handle on pleasing God. And it's this very thing, this... Belief that we know what's pleasing to God that's the source of the grumbling about Jesus in the story about Zacchaeus. The grumblers question Jesus's purity and his morals because he accepts the hospitality of a tax collector and sinner. Jesus pays them no mind. With Zacchaeus's announcements of repayment and generosity, Jesus knows that Zacchaeus has seen what often fails to move the religious. That the grace we have been given frees us to offer grace and mercy to others. Not just to believe in God, but to live like God. To be like Christ in the midst of the world. The presence of the poor and suffering... The oppressed and rejected standing outside the doors of church, temple, and synagogue might suggest that people of faith, that we still have blood on our hands, that we still fail to see and understand the heart of God. What does the Lord require of us? Let us argue together. It is clear though that the story of Zacchaeus and the reading from Isaiah are meant to bring us hope not because we've achieved purity from our sin and have gotten it all right but because God is faithful to the promises God made long ago generations ago and wishes to be in fellowship with us and therefore extends hospitality to us and gifts us with his grace. When we struggle to understand how to honor the God who welcomes and restores us, help is at hand. Now, you all know what I sometimes forget. The best way to know what gift to give someone is to ask someone who knows them well, right? Not your mom, who's never seen these people before. <laughs> no. You ask the family member who knows your hostess has just begun recovery. You ask the friend who knows their favorite author or the colleague who has fished off the side of the rector's boat. You ask them and they point in the right direction. Because they help you to see the person you are trying to honor more fully. If we want to honor the God who loves us, we need look no further than the scriptures and especially to Jesus himself. Just as Zacchaeus was transformed by his encounter with Jesus, so too shall we look to the Son of God so that we might know the Father. Christ becomes Zacchaeus' guest in order to reach those who struggle to know what God wants from them. By his presence and invitation, that is, Christ's presence and invitation, Zacchaeus enters into salvation. Jesus, after all, is God's gift to us, to the world, because God sees and knows us. And as God's gift, Jesus completes and empowers us that we might give ourselves, that we might give our community back to God as a pleasing gift and honor God as we serve our neighbors from a love that reflects the very heart of God. Come now. There is no need to argue it out. Though your sins, our sins, are like scarlet, and they shall be like snow. Though the blood on our hands is red like crimson, They shall be like wool, and Christ, who came to save us, will be known through us. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at SaintDave.org and click on the podcast button.